Depending on when you're tuning in, my name is Justin Rumley, and I'm your faithful anchor uh, here at a show called Anchored. It's where we uh, usually gather the PCS Bible team in order to answer the, the various claims of the culture by uh, turning pages in Scripture and remaining anchored in our ever-turbulent culture, anchored in the Word of God. But today we have a very unique show, and I am excited to have our guest join us. Today we have C.J. Fisher uh, in our studio this morning, and I'm excited for you to hear a little bit about who he is, his testimony, what he's doing now for the Lord, and I know he has some powerful stories of what the Spirit has been doing. So, uh, CJ, I want to welcome you to Anchored, and uh, start off by telling us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Great, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, as you guys have heard, my name is CJ Fisher, and I currently work as the area director for Youth for Christ Juvenile Justice Ministry. And so I work with incarcerated youth and youth that are in detention and uh, or various different agencies within the Peoria area. Okay, wow. So that is a unique ministry that I am excited to dive in here in a moment. But first, CJ is alumni of, uh, you can probably guess it, Peoria Christian School. So let's start a little bit at the beginning here, CJ. Tell us a little bit about your background. You uh, shared some powerful stories with our students just a, a few months ago at our uh, Spiritual Life uh, Week we now called Equipped Week. So tell us a little bit about your story just growing up, and uh, then when you get to PCS, what happened? Yeah, absolutely. So... When I was a year and a half, I was abandoned on a playground in Seoul, South Korea. And so somebody found me, and then they took me to an orphanage. I spent some time in the orphanage before I was put up for adoption. Was placed in a foster home briefly before being adopted to an American family. Grew up in central Illinois. Uh, thankfully, by the grace of God, I was raised in a Christian home. And uh, really, I mean, I enjoyed my time and pursuing God and but we moved around so middle of second grade moved over to Bloomington middle of sixth grade moved back to Peoria went to Dunlap and just uh, really didn't fit in I got bullied a little bit and, and I didn't have a lot of friends because you know moving you, you move and you get disrupted from a lot of your friends and so my parents made the choice and they asked me if I wanted to switch schools and I said sure so Got moved over to Peoria Christian School and got a whole new set of friends and found uh, new high school friends. Uh, started my freshman year and uh, really just was doing life and kind of trekking to my own own beat. But it was it was some good years at PCS. 
Okay. Now, now, I remember when you first shared that story with our students. Uh, first off, I didn't see it coming for starters. There probably are some teachers that remember you that are still here, so maybe they weren't as surprised. But I know our students were uh, just kind of in, in, a, in a good state of shock to hear of your background. Like, even thinking of my own background, we think, oh, we have such a hard life, you know, whatever it may be. But then hearing your story mm-hmm. about, you know, unfortunately, being abandoned and then ending up here uh, in central Illinois from South Korea. Um, that truly is a unique story where surely, especially coming into our conversation today, you must have seen the Lord's providence over time, maybe not realizing it in the moment, but maybe now looking back and see how the Lord uh, has taken care of you every step of the way. So let me start here by asking you, when did you first truly come to know Christ? Yeah, so early on, my dad would tell me uh, Bible stories in the form of bedtime stories. And so he would take a lot of very biblical parables and he would give them kind of a modern twist. So instead of, you know, feeding the 5,000 with loaves and fish or bread and fishes, it was McDonald's hamburgers and French fries and Jesus rode a Harley in. And that uh, man was like, oh, Jesus rode a Harley. Wow. <laughs> Which somebody I, for everyone, I love it. Yeah, this is somebody I need to get to know. But uh, no, he did a really just excellent job of conveying the need for a savior and how our sin separates us from a holy and righteous God. And so between him and my mom sharing stories and going to Sunday school and really just having some phenomenal teachers invest in me uh, really sparked kind of that seed and that that beginning of my faith. And so when I was five years old, uh, I prayed the prayer, and that really began, was the starting point of developing my faith. And it probably, honestly, wasn't until college that I really started taking ownership of my faith, but I can tell that God had put some very influential people in my life that helped me stay firm to the faith and really helped to continue to water that that beginning seed of faith in my life. And again, it, it really wasn't until college that you know, I saw myself taking ownership of my faith and investing in my walk with Jesus. Okay, man, I still have the mental image of Jesus riding that Harley with, you know, a 10-piece nugget just trying to get people into the kingdom. But uh, to each their own, that's amazing, though. So when you were five, uh, praise the Lord for for your parents there to share the gospel with you. Then I think with a lot of people's testimonies, it takes some time to uh, just allow the Spirit to mature us a little bit and then really take ownership for it. So let's go a little bit into your time at PCS. So share with me, how many years were you at Peoria Christian School, and I know there are still teachers and people here who uh, at least would recognize your name. So who are some of those teachers that stood out to you, uh, maybe for the better or even for the worse? <laughs> Uh-oh. Did you flunk any classes, CJ? Uh, well, I always joke around and say that I took Spanish four years, but it was Spanish one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I had a lot of great teachers. Uh, looking back on my time at PCS, I would say that it was more valuable and more influential than I appreciated when I attended PCS. Uh, but I had, you know, looking back, I had a lot of teachers, uh, my Bible teacher, my computer teacher at the time, English teacher, just a lot of teachers really, I think, had a heart for investing in their students 
And again, you know, you as a student don't quite appreciate or understand that, especially even uh, the spiritual influence, you know, because you kind of get into, you know, a faith-based schooling and you, you take it for granted because, you know, growing up in elementary school, you don't, you know, you, you just don't pay attention to that, you know, and then going to a Christian university, it was kind of the same thing, like, you're like, oh, you know, this is kind of like church, only you get to learn school. <laughs> well, but compare that to public school, you know, you've got a whole culture and a society that's trying to influence you one way, but Pure Christian and other faith-based Christian schools are really trying to help integrate both education and teaching. And so that impacted me, I would say, later on in life because it really helped me to better understand today's culture. It helped me to understand uh, just really build the foundations of a biblical understanding of scripture early on a lot earlier than I, I guess I really sure really held on to sure in fact if uh, our listeners tuned into last week's episode with alumni summer park she said something actually eerily similar the idea that while you're in Christian ed uh, whether it be taking it for granted uh, or just not realizing the contrast between that and other forms of education. But once you're out of it, especially maybe once you have your own family, uh, she said the same thing. She looked back and saw how God was kind of working behind the scenes. Uh, maybe that teacher that was, you know, spiritually investing in her back then, uh, maybe, you know, was annoying is not the word, but maybe just didn't realize uh, how important that was. But now looking back, you can really see that that impact. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, uh, surely you sat through several spiritual emphasis weeks. Uh, did you ever imagine that you would be coming back to be the speaker at one of those? Nope, I did not. I, uh, I got on the tech team so I could be disengaged from sure, a lot sure, of that. Sure. And uh, I loved the tech team. It gave me a lot of a lot of really good skills. So shout out to PCS tech team. Amen. What? Uh, no, but those weeks I think were really valuable to to my faith and really helped to solidify just some of my beliefs and really get to see it more in action. But I think there's an aspect of health that takes a week where you can just really self-examine where you're at in your faith, and it really helps to better understand what owning your own faith meant. So I think that process began a lot sooner because of Spiritual Emphasis Week. But sitting in the bleachers or at the soundboard, you know, kind of tuned out. Was, I, it never crossed my mind once that I thought I'd be the speaker. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and, and for our listeners who maybe aren't aware of what we did this past year for Spiritual Emphasis Week, uh, CJ was our main speaker, and he was absolutely essential in even getting our band Attaboy to, to join us as just with COVID and other things and just things outside of our control. We were in a little bit of a bind, but I could tell the Lord providentially brought CJ into uh, the conversation to make that happen. And in fact, I recall listening to your the proclamation of God's word and listening to your talks, um, not only did I consider them powerful, 
But I recall, I think it was the second or third day, several students, you know, raising their hands saying that they want to take their faith seriously. They want to start owning their faith. And I've been getting a lot of feedback saying it was a special time. So I wanted to give you a shout out for our millions of listeners who I'm sure are tuning in, uh, or at least my mom out there, uh, <laughs> that you were a big part of that and encourage you as well. Uh, but CG, okay, so, so you came to Christ. Uh, PCS played a major role in you kind of developing your faith and especially looking back seeing how uh, teachers and the computer teacher, Bible teachers, and everyone pouring in to your life. And I'm assuming you can't speak fluent Spanish after your four years. No, no bueno. No, no. <laughs> have to speak in tongues, man. There you go. Uh, but okay, so, so now uh, let's move into what you do now. So you work for Youth for Christ, and you do a very unique ministry with a unique subset of people that I would just like to hear more about. And I think uh, it would be helpful for our listeners to learn a little more of what you do and maybe how you've seen Christ work through you in the specific ministry you're in. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, my national director, uh, when I first signed on in 2010 with Youth for Christ, told me we were like the special forces of Youth for Christ, which was like, oh, oh, this is special. (laughs) Sure, sure, the Navy SEALs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We... So we specialize in working with uh, justice-involved youth. So basically any teen that would go through the court system or have some sort of court involvement. And so my role really started at the Chones Home Youth Farm, and we were responsible for you know, starting up faith-based programming. So we would do chapels and Bible studies, and then we would also play games and then have conversations around you know, how's life going? And then that would then turn into conversations about Jesus. And so about, I think it was about a year and a half to two years into that, uh, really had a directive to get into the juvenile detention centers. And uh, that was pretty intense. That's a beast of its own because you go into the juvenile detention center thinking, man, I'm going to see what I see on TV. They're going to be, you know, people killing each other and like beating each other up and gang fights and all that. But when you sit across the table or when you look through protected glass at like a nine or a 10 year old and you, the the thought crosses your mind, you're like, you're nine and 10. Like, why are you locked up? You know, you should be outside playing or riding your bike or playing baseball. Like a lot of things that we, we did growing up. And, and so, Thankfully, there aren't a whole lot of 9- and 10-year-olds, but uh, we do see uh, typically 11 to 19 or 11 to 18. And then I think the laws changed recently. It was 11 to 17. and then. But depending on when they pick up their juvenile case, they'll be there probably till 18 or 19 typically. And so that can last from juvenile – oh, excuse me. Our juvenile detention center is a short-term facility. And so the average stay is about 21 days. And so that make in itself makes it difficult to do ministry because you might have a student in there for 24 hours. You'll see them once and then you may never see them again. Or you might only see them for a few weeks. And unless if they follow up with you once they get out, you know, you've only got like a short window. And so we're very much evangelistic. We, you know, a lot of our messages point to Jesus right away. And um, it's... I would say one of the easiest and most difficult ministries because the ones who want to be there having conversation with you like are invested because they know they're broken they know that they're in a rough spot and they need something and so it's easy to jump into those discussions but 
more often than not, we run into the guys that are like, eh, I don't need Jesus. I went to church. You know. Sure, sure. Well, that's so intriguing because all throughout Scripture, right, we see a command, right, to minister uh, to all people, but especially uh, in the type of ministry you're in. And I even know myself, it's like, I don't feel equipped for that right now. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of churches may have that impulse as well, whether it's rightfully or wrongfully. So it's an encouragement for me to know that we have spiritual special forces, <laughs> right, as the youth for Christ, to be in those situations. And I know myself, and I hope our listeners as well will partner with you in prayer, even if we can't be there with you physically, but be there with you spiritually. And I'm just amazed to hear what you do. And now, CJ, I know uh, if anyone's interested in learning more about what you do, they can go to the website that you mentioned to me there at youthforchrist.org and specifically to Google your name, CJ Fisher, to get connected with the juvenile justice aspect of what Youth for Christ does. And CJ, just want to thank you once again for joining us. I know there are many stories you could share about lives changed through your ministry and how part of the reason that you are where you are is because God providentially brought you to Peoria Christian School. So it's an encouragement to have this conversation with you. And I was encouraged that you listeners joined us this morning or this afternoon to be encouraged and to hear from alumni like CJ about what God is doing through Uh, alumni like CJ. So God bless you all. CJ, thank you once again. We will see you next time here on Anchor.